As we come now uh, to the scripture, let me ask you please uh, to pray with me. Uh, Father in heaven, we are grateful for your kindness to us. It's amazing to us, Lord Jesus, that you came and lived and died. It's amazing to us that our sins through you are forgiven. It's amazing to us that we are accepted by God. It's amazing to us as you rule and reign over all things, you're looking out for your glory, and that includes our interests, and we're amazed by that. And so we pray that you would be with us. Help us now as we come to the scripture. May you enable us to see you and believe and thus live in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn, please, to Daniel, Old Testament book, Daniel and chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, please. Hear the word of God, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his own head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then I looked, then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear, it was raised up on one side, It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it and had ten horns. I considered the horns. Behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked by its roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. Well, as I looked, thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took a seat. His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool, his throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then, because the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts... Their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And all people's nations and languages would should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, 
my spirit within me was anxious and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. And so he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest. Exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet and about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up and, uh, before which three of them fell, the, the horn that has, had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the ancient of days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As, as for the ten horns, out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. And he shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, to half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here's the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. When we came to our time of confession, I used the word enigma of that passage in Revelation 12. It was a puzzle, a mystery. And, and all of a sudden we come into this vision of Daniel and it seems rather mysterious Rather puzzling. You know, we've been reading through Daniel together. Um, when you check off your list of reading through the Bible in a year, you can, you can check off Daniel. You don't have to read that because we'll read that on Sunday. So you're good there. So at least you can say you read one book of the Bible in your reading through the Bible in a year uh, task. But uh, so we'll do that together. If you come every Sunday. Now, you know, if you don't, you'll have to pick up. But, you know, we've been reading first six chapters, a kind of straightforward narrative of, of Daniel and his friends. Now, there's some oddities in those passages, obviously. There's dreams and interpretations of dreams. And there's a king who eats grass like an ox. And, and there's, there's a fiery furnace out of which men are saved. And there's lions who don't eat people. And, uh, and there's handwriting on the wall that, that brings, uh, you know, judgment and all that. But, so, so there's some oddities. But it's explained to us. And it's rather straightforwardly, this is that and this is that. And we understand all the things there. But this one is just strange, isn't it? I mean, at the end, when, when Daniel says that he's alarmed, I want to say, you think? I mean, you know, it's, it's just this sense of, of, of these monsters uh, showing up uh, 
and, and, and these, these visions happening. And, and you, you think, if you ever wanted to be somebody, I, I don't think I would want to be Daniel. And have these kind bad enough dreams, right? But to think that this came to him, we call this kind of literature, you know, this apocalyptic. Now, oddly enough, the word apocalyptic means to uncover or to reveal. And so I read this and I say, that's an odd name for what I just read because it seems not so revealing to me. I still have lots of questions at the end of this that seem not to be answered by the, by the passage uh, itself. Um, now, we know when we get into this kind of literature, one author put it like this. He said, we instinctively know that a sentence that begins... The stars will fall from heaven, the sun will cease its shining, and the moon will drip blood, will not end with, and the rest of the country will be partly cloudy with scattered showers. Right? Well, we get the difference between the two of them. The one's apocalyptic, the other is a weather forecast. The one's straightforward, the other not so much. And, and so we know that the one is describing something that isn't weather, if you will, related. It's describing something, uh, something else. And so this same author goes on to say this. Biblical apocalyptic is a revelation of the ending of this present age, which is an age characterized by conflict and its replacement by the final age of peace. It shows us ahead of time the end of the kingdoms of this world and their replacement by the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. This revelation is unfolded in complex and mysterious imagery and has the purpose of comforting and exhorting the faithful. And you say, how does this comfort and exhort the faithful? It exhorts us in a particular way of saying, know what life is like. And it gives us comfort and hope by saying, know that God triumphs. All right? That's the, the real sense of it. And so then, at least I ask the question, why this sort of sci-fi imagery? Why this sort of sci-fi language uh, in the midst of this? Why, why not be straightforward? Why not name names of kings and kingdoms? And why not tell me when and how long? Oh, again, we just simply don't get that. You, you get the sense, okay, there's kings and kingdoms, and, and there's a time and a time and a half a time and all that. But we wonder, well, why not just say, like, 73 years and... You know, these kings. I mean, why not lay it out for us in this sort of straightforward uh, way? Well, I think this. And not only I, but others, obviously. Well, we think this, that, that what we have here is, is God pulling back the veil a bit. Pulling back the cover a bit. To let us see what our eyes can't see. He's showing us the spiritual reality, the spiritual evil that's behind all of the evil that we do see. And so he's pulling back the veil a bit. And in my question, the question to myself is, well, how do you describe that? Do we really have normal words for that? I mean, what words could we use to describe the spiritual evil behind six million Jews being killed? What words do we have? that would describe the evil of a student going into a high school and killing other students? What words do we really have 
to describe what would that look like? How would we describe that? If we pour, we know what it looks like when it's happening in reality, but, but what's behind that? What's 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 it, what's what's behind the killing of unborn children? Right? What's behind that? What does that look like? Really? What does cancer attacking and killing a body? What what does that look like? And the spiritual reality of it. What words could we have to describe that, you see? And, and so this sort of writing comes. And these visions come that describe the, what's being seen. And I think, because how else could we describe this other than the hideousness of these, of these animal men-like creatures. And all of that, these monsters, really, the monstrosities and all of that, you know, coming at us and coming uh, towards us. This veil is being uh, uh, pulled back. You know, I, I'm not a Trekkie. Now, I, I, I learned that word from those who are. That is a person who watches, has watched Star Trek. Now, I know that's been off the air for like a million years, but, but there's still clubs of Trekkies. Now, I did, though. Uh, watch some of that Star Trek stuff a couple of times. What I did notice about it is that there's almost always this alien force that takes over people or takes over somebody. And at the end of the show, normally what happens is that, 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 you, that, that, that those alien forces are revealed. And they're no longer the pretty people that you once thought they were. They're hideous and they're ugly and all of that. And then there's a sense in which, please forgive the irreverence of this illustration, but, but there's a sense in which uh, the veil is being, t- we're really seeing evil like it, like it is, if you will. And, and these are the only ways, the only words to really, to really describe, uh, that in the midst of that. We know that Satan masquerades, the scripture tells us. He masquerades as an angel of light. We don't really see him. What we see is that which isn't him. He's trying to put on the best face, if you will, of, of evil. Uh, and, 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 and so, uh, we see the rationale that people have for evil in the midst of the world in which we live. And that's the best face of it, if you will. That's the light. That's the masquerading. And what this does is, is take us behind that to, to unmask, if you will, evil and give us a sense of it, really, to give us this, this sense of it. Um, um, and, and you see, in the midst of this, we retain a, a sense of, of mystery. I mean, even after I read this, I have a, I have a sense of the big picture, of a sense of what is, is really going on here. Uh, uh, if I spare the details, I, I sort of get it. And there's still this sense of mystery. There's so much still I don't know. And I think the Lord is saying, of course you don't know it. You, you can't know it. You don't live in that veil taken away spirituality. You, you live in the, in, in the manifestation of it in, in a sense, but, but you can't know. There's mystery uh, to uh, all of this evil and, and even still mystery yet to us in some sense about who God is. How do we describe who God is? How, how do we lay this out? Well, we see it in this imagery that we, we have here. Not only this, but this kind of language makes us feel. You see, sometimes we can describe things in our nice, elegant prose and our narrative passages, and it becomes very objective, just sort of the facts. But this doesn't give us just the facts. This gives us a picture, and it's a picture we're really supposed to see. And this picture is, in one sense, to terrorize us. This, this is, is to, to fill us with dread. This is, this is the, to, to, to conjure up some emotion in us, if you will, by the very language of these monsters. We're supposed to see these monsters. And at the same sense, when the judgment comes, we're, we're to see that 
We could say it this way, the joy of it, the rescue of it, the hope of it, and to be elated by that. You know, that's why I say often the children are the ones who really read these passages best. I mean, a kid reads this passage and their eyes get like this big, right? They read these passages. I've had my own children say, I don't want to read that, Dad. It scares me. And I've had others of my children say, Dad, read that to me. I love it. This is awesome. Look at that. They're going to get killed. They're going to get annihilated. This is great, Right? They get it. They understand. That's the sense of it, you see. We're supposed to feel what's here. We're supposed to see these monstrosities and, and, and as, they, as they really are, you see, and, and allow the terror of it to, to, to well up within us and to say, oh, yes. But then also see the great power and might of God as he comes to destroy. Do you get it? Do you understand this? That makes sense to you as we, as we come to these passages. So you can tell already from this that I have a great sense of caution as I come to these passages. I'm not going to say this is that and this is that and this is that and this is then and this is then and this is then. So if you're looking for that, bless you. You'll find plenty of books uh, that will do that for you. And if you read them all, you'll be utterly confused because they'll all give you different lists and different answers and all of that. And you might like one better than the other and cling to it but you'll have no confidence that you're right because all these others disagree with you and disagree with that view in terms of the who, what, when. Of course, we we see it even now. There's a new Left Behind movie coming. Um, And uh, so uh, be entertained by that movie, as you may have been by the books, but I enjoy you not to imbibe the theology behind it. Anyway, Now you can really not like me. Now, uh, so so what does what does what does Daniel see? All right. Now I can't do this justice because I still am this geek that I am, and I'm still going to try to analyze it. So don't let me. But 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 still, uh, there's there's what does he see? What's going on? Now remember, he's not seeing kings and kingdoms and then describing it in a funny way. He's seeing this. And it's the middle of the night. It's a vision at night, which I call a dream. But he's seeing all of this, you see. And so what's he see? He sees these monstrosities. What's the first one that he sees? The four great beasts that come out of the sea. Now, in the Bible, when, when, it, when you read the expression, it comes out of the sea. The sea, you see, almost all, you see, the sea almost always represents turbulence, chaos, violence. When uh, I was in seminary, we lived in New England, and uh, there was a place that I used to like to go, Karen, I used to like to go, called Bass Rocks. And it was on the, on the Cape Ann, it was on the, uh, upper Cape, and um, I don't know the bass part, other than maybe it referred to some fish or something. I knew the rocks part, because up on the shore, piled almost into a, like a seawall with these huge boulders. And given my personality, I used to like to go there on wintry, stormy days, because there was a bit of a cliff, and you could you could stand next to the edge of the cliff, if you will, there. It was a rail, uh, sidewalk, very civilized. But, but you could look out, and on these windy days, the, the sea there uh, would just be amazing. And I would find myself instinctively backing up, not even knowing. But the sound was deafening of the waves hitting these rocks 
and coming up. And, and, and when I read passages like this, I said, what would come out of that? You know, it wouldn't be Dorothy in her little red slippers. I mean, it would be the Wicked Witch of the West that would come out of that. I mean, something that would come out of that would be, would, would be monstrous, you see. That, that doesn't, that doesn't churn up that which is, 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 is sweet and light and so forth. That, that churns up monstrosities. And, and that's the sense here. That's what he's saying. Four great beasts come out of the sea because the four winds of heaven were stirring it up. The first was like a lion that had eagle's wings. Uh, then the, the wings were plucked off and uh, it was uh, uh, lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man with the mind of a man. So you have, you have the, the, the great uh, king of, the, of, of, of all the animals on the earth, the lion, and then the great king, if you will, of the birds, the eagle. And so you get a great sense of strength there and movement and power and all of that. And then you realize the wings are plucked off and, oh, it's a man. That's odd. And then the second one was uh, like a bear. And, and this bear was, picture a bear, ferocious bear, on one side, up on, uh, on, on, raised up on one side, and had three ribs in his mouth. Now, it wasn't a displacement of his own ribs. Those were ribs, right, that he was eating because he had just killed, right? And he's told... Arise, devour much flesh. Now imagine yourself, 12 years old, it's 2 in the morning, you couldn't sleep, you grab your flashlight, you grab your Bible, and you read that. Right? Well, that's the sense of it, you see. Devour much flesh. No way that kid's sleeping. Right? After this I looked and there was another, a leopard, four wings, a bird on its back. These had four heads. Dominion was given to it. So you have, again, a leopard, this, this, this great animal, very powerful, uh, uh, swift, has four wings, so really go fast. Four heads, can see everything, was given dominion over all things. And, and so you have that beast in your room as well. And then you get a fourth beast that isn't like any of the others. In fact, an animal, animals can't even describe this one, so they're not even given an animal description at all. But he's terrifying, dreadful, exceedingly strong, has iron teeth. Um, and it, it, so it, everything it chomped, it, it, it broke into pieces, and everything that was left, it got with its feet. Uh, different than all the other beasts, that is in scope and in power. The other, the other beasts don't even compare to this one. He's so powerful, so strong, so devastating, so evil. And, and then out of this one pops up ten horns. Horns, a, a sign of strength and power, even more power than the beast itself, if you will. And then out of that, out of those ten come another one that's little, but don't let its size fool you because, because it devoured three of the other horns that were there. So it's more powerful than the horns that were there three times, if you will. And, 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 and there you have it. And so, from Daniel, I have lots of questions. And so I look again, but I don't get answers to my questions. I get another scene. It's like, it's like God saying, I want you to hold this, but I want you to hold this in context with this. And so what he sees is thrones, plural, maybe more than one throne, or maybe thrones in the sense of, 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 of a word that just means this is a majestic throne that a singular uh, noun couldn't handle, so it's plural. We, we don't know at this point yet. Uh, he's called the Ancient of Days, which in our youth-obsessed culture doesn't mean just kind of old and rickety. It means grand, wise, right? One who's seen it all. Ancient of Days, one who is, could we even say, 
eternal. He's got a head that's pure wool, uh, clothing white, very pure. His throne is fiery flame. So you get a sense of, of power. You get a sense of might. You get a sense of, of, of judgment. You get a sense of purifying in the midst of that. This burning fire, a stream of fire was issued. It came out before him. There were thousands that served him. Everybody else was, was, was stood before him. And this is a courtroom scene. The books are open. We get it. Judge on the throne. This very one who is omniscient. The books are open. He knows everything about everything and about everybody. And he's powerful. And he judges and purifies even. Well, then in the midst of that, he looked around and, and saw the, the great words this Horn was speaking, this little horn, probably this horn was speaking pompous words, arrogant words, maybe even blasphemous words, as we'll see. But uh, and then the beast was killed. And then the other three beasts, uh, their power, dominion was taken away, but, but they were still allowed to live. And again, head scratching stuff. And then another vision. And he sees one like the son of man showing up. And, and this one like a son of man a man like a man. Uh, we get that. So he has the characteristics of a man, son of, characteristics of a man. He came to the Ancient of Days. And to this one was was given uh, glory and a kingdom. And the people and nations and languages uh, of all languages should should serve him. And this very one, you see. And, and we realize that he's like a son of man, but he comes on the cloud. Who comes on the clouds? Only God comes on the clouds, the pillar of cloud. With the Israelites left Egypt and the great cloud at Mount Sinai, the presence of God, the great cloud at the temple when it was dedicated, the cloud of God. And so we get a sense there's more to this very one who, who is now coming to the ancient of days, one like a Son of man, and rather than these beasts having dominion and all of that, this one did. So you can only imagine Daniel a little perplexed. He says, I got some questions. And so he, he says, tell me what all this means. And so here's what it means. Here's the guts of it right here. Verses 17 and 18. The one to whom he asks says, these four great beasts are four kings who shall rise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever and ever. Now you go, okay, great. Uh, not a lot of detail. So there's kings and kingdoms. And you get a sense they're evil. And you get a sense then that doesn't say, but from what we just read, that they're judged and destroyed. And then, not only this one like the Son of Man, but now the saints, the followers of God, the saints receive this kingdom forever, forever, and ever, which sounds like a long time, right? Daniel says, well, I know, thank you very much. I still have more questions. Uh, he says, well, tell me about the fourth beast. Because the fourth beast, you see, is the one that's different than all the rest. The fourth beast is the one that seems to destroy everything. The fourth beast seems to be the most ferocious, the most vicious, the most evil. And so he said he desired to, to know the truth about this 
fourth beast. And he said, especially this, verse 21, as I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came and the judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. So, so Daniel has seen a little bit more than he's told us so far. At least he's seeing this. He's seeing, he's seeing uh, this, this, this horn, this little horn, has made war with the saints and prevailed over them. Now you get a sense that Daniel's now taking this rather personally. Knowing himself to be one of those saints, being in exile, having the promise that Jeremiah had that you'll soon be sent back, wondering how all this is going to work out. And now this little horn that seems to, 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 to be prevailing or against the saints. And then he says, then until the time that, that the judgment was given for the, the ancient of days came and judgment was given for the saints of the most high and they possessed the kingdom. So if I'm Daniel, I'm asking the question, all right, when am I going to, and when, when do I get the kingdom? Right? When we go back to Jerusalem or what's up with that? Well, then he goes on to say, well, here's about the fourth beast. But you know what? He doesn't really tell us any more than we already know. He just kind of says it again. It's the old line of tell him what you're going to tell him, tell him and tell him again. Tell him what you told him. And he's telling him what he told him. Essentially, fourth beast, fourth kingdom on the earth. We already know that. It would be different from all the other kingdoms. We already know that. So devour the whole earth. Uh, we had a suspicion it was going to be the whole earth, but we knew we would devour and break it into pieces. Okay, so you get that sense that there's a great and mighty kingdom that's going to take over everything. And then he says there's ten horns, ten kings shall arise. Uh, we knew that. Uh, another shall arise after them. We knew that. Uh, he shall be different from the former ones. We knew that. Shall put down the three kings. We knew that. He shall speak words against the Most High. We knew that he'd speak arrogant or great words. Now we see they're blasphemous. Now we think that we realize they're against God. Uh, he's going to wear out the saints of the Most High, prevail against them. Daniel had seen that. And shall think to change the times and the law, so change everything about the face of the earth, if you will. And they, the saints, shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. And you want to say, I know, but how long's that? Right? He doesn't tell us. But then the courtroom scene again. Judgment. His dominion is taken away. Going to be destroyed. And then the kingdom and dominion, the greatness of the kingdom under the whole earth shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high God. And this kingdom of God shall be an everlasting kingdom. All right. You with me? Okay. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? That's the big question, isn't it? What do we do with that? Well, can I make a few suggestions? One, given the fact that you can read, as I mentioned before, and come up with all kinds of lists of kings and all kinds of timings, I'm not going to give you any lists of kings or any timing. Because they conflict, they cannot be right, and I'm not that smart. Secondly, and we're talking about these ten horns and these little horns and all of these things, perhaps since Daniel isn't giving it, given any more information about these things, then maybe we should just leave it at that and say, okay, 
what we get, not only from scripture, but certainly from our experience as well, is that evil exists. It existed then. It exists now. And it's everywhere. It's expressed in individual people and through individual people. It's expressed in institutions and governments and systems in the world in which we live. We know it. We see it. It's continued on. Even in the midst of that, it's beastly, it's monstrous, it's evil. We know that. We know what's behind it if the veil could be lifted. We know all of that. And so it's still continuing to go on. And and that message to Daniel, through Daniel to us, that goes on. However, we can then take from that, of course, the same sense that Daniel got out of this. A sense of, Alarm. He said, my color changed. He, he, he looked sickly. There's a sense in which this is very serious. This is no light thing that evil is and evil exists in the world in which we live. And we, we really need to take it seriously. You know, the scripture speaks about this one Satan who is... Against us, I read from Revelation 12 earlier, and, and again another apocalyptic kind of kind of description. But yet we get this sense that the evil one exists, and he's mad, and he comes after those who obey the commandments of Jesus, those who trust in Him. That's real. Apostle Peter says that Satan uh, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour. He's that one who wants to devour more flesh, if you will. And that flesh is us. He wants to turn us away from God, if you will, and turn others away from God. I mean, that's his devouring tactic through a variety of means. So, so we get that. We know that's really here. That's really true in the, in the midst of that. Uh, we don't know who these characters are necessarily throughout history. As I said, there's been a, all kinds of suggestions made. Um, some thought this little horn was... Antiochus Epiphanes. I just like to say that. All right? Second century BC came against the Jews and, and desecrated their religion, essentially tried to change everything about it in addition to just the persecution that he brought there. Uh, others uh, have had various ones, various lists of, of nations that these could be from all the way beginning with uh, the Babylonians all the way to the Romans. Some think there'll be a renewal of the Roman Empire in the future and ten horns will come out, ten kingdoms will come out of, of that. Some think that the Antichrist is this one or that one. Uh, and, uh, and and John the Apostle tells us that the spirit of Antichrist was is, was there with them and he's here with us. And so all of that exists. And so, so this we realize that there is this antagonism against against believers. It's It's real. We need to understand that but we need to put all of that in context and that I think is what Daniel was given he was given context he was given how do we understand all of this Daniel how do you understand all of this and so when I read through this I I realize I I should get what Daniel got but, but I should also get just a little bit more and a little bit more is this that we know that this one like the son of man has already come uh, I, I don't know exactly how Daniel understood one like the Son of Man is, is coming. You, you get a sense. I mean, the prophets had a sense of the coming Messiah and all of that. But, but, but what did he really get by that? But we know what he 
meant by that. We, we know this very one. We, we know the ancient of days. We know this very one who is God. And, and we know he sits enthroned. And, and we know that he's given dominion and power and authority to his son, our Lord Jesus. Uh, Jesus used this expression, son of man, exclusively. He used it almost 80 times. We, we find it 80 times in the Gospels. Almost always from his lips about himself. The only other time the expression son of man is used of Jesus is when it's used of people quoting Jesus talking about himself. He's the son of man, you see. He's the very one like us. You know that human beings, we're supposed to have dominion over the earth. You know that at creation, as God made us in his image, we were to take dominion, to rule the earth under God, his way, his understanding of good and evil and all of that. But we were to rule under God, have dominion over all the earth. There's a sense in which we lost Because we rebelled against God. But this one like the Son of Man came as us, for us, to regain dominion. Thus, he was given dominion to rule and reign. And now us with him. One like the Son of Man has dominion to rule and reign over all things. Thus, the restoration that is and is to come. You realize that we now, as believers in Jesus, rule and reign with him. Oh, it's not the way it's going to be. We know that. But we're still ruling and reigning with him. He rules and reigns. He's been given that as the one who's Who's, who's, who's died and who, and who lives. Uh, we, we often use this passage in Philippians 2 as a profession of faith where Paul writes this about Jesus, who though in the, was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of his servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him. Ah, that's the exaltation. Highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's been exalted. He's restored. And then John sees this revelation. Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep, John says, loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered 
so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes and with the seven that are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. He's come. And when he came, he conquered. And when he conquered, he saved. And as we come into this kingdom, as we're saved by him through faith in him, then we're united, you see, to him. We're seated, as the apostle says, with him in heavenly places. He's ruling and reigning. He's ruling and reigning through us. We're ruling and reigning with him. How do we do that? How do we rule and reign even now? By his word. By this testimony, this gospel, this truth. His word is a powerful word. It's a word that brings judgment. It's a word that brings grace. According to his purpose. We pray. Do you know that when we pray, we're praying what we call kingdom prayers. We're praying that which is true in the kingdom of God. We're praying that God would bring his kingdom to us now. And we know our prayers will be answered eventually, at least if he doesn't bring that kingdom at this moment in time to us and we see the results of our praying, uh, we'll see it someday. It's as if he stores them up and they all come into fruition on that great day, you see. So we rule by way of his word. We rule by the way of our, our praying. We Rule by the way of our love for each other. We rule by the way we die. So you see the big picture here. What we're to see and what we're to feel. We're to feel the terror of it, but we're to feel the rescue from it. I know when my kids were in the middle of the night and they were afraid, bad dream, whatever it was, and you, as the dad, you know, or the mom, you go in to comfort them. And they've felt the terror, and now they know the rest, the comfort. And I think this passage caused Daniel, perhaps, to be alarmed And it should cause us to be alarmed, but we should live in the hope for the rescue has come. And so you see, the point is this. We shouldn't really ultimately fear any election, any persecution, any threats, even the wearing out of the saints. Persecution of the saints, the silencing even, perhaps, of the saints. A day may come when 
we are so marginalized that our voice isn't even recognized. Even when that happens, we should realize there's one on the throne. There's another, this lamb who looks as if he has been slain. And we're with him. Let's pray. Father, for me, for us, I pray that we believe this, that in the midst of the days in which we live, uh, the evil that seems to be round about us, this evil that's always been round about us, we pray that we would not ultimately fear it, but rest in the context of it, which is God, you ruling and reigning, Jesus, you having conquered sin and death, Holy Spirit, you living within us, assuring us that we belong to God. And so I pray that that would be true for us, that however we live, it isn't in panic. However we live, it isn't in fear. However we live, it isn't in the dread of what is to come because we know what is to come. Give us Strength to persevere. Enable us to walk with you. Father, there are many in our congregation who are facing various things which blur this vision of you, but I pray you restore this great spiritual sight and we may see things clearly. We pray for Melissa Foster as she recovers from her surgery, for Marjorie Miller as She's even been taken because of reasons uh, beyond her control away from her chemo. And uh, we pray that uh, you would restore her to be able to receive this treatment soon again for her cancer. We pray for war in God that you would continue to bring healing. Thank you for good reports and thank you for your care. And bless him and his family. And Father, for Michelle Beard's dad, we continue to pray for him that you would Work in his life to bring healing and health and great assurance of his walk with you. And for us as a church, Father, enable us by your word to rule. Enable us by your prayer, by our prayers to rule. Enable us by our testimony of that which is true of Christ to rule. Enable us, even as we love one another, to rule. And Father, enable us, even as we die. Give us great assurance that a day will come when all will be restored. Evil will be banished. And there will be no more tears and there will be no more grief and there will be no more death. Father, grant to us great faith in you. Strength to overcome every day. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand for the benediction.